Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And you're about to get jumped. And you're about to get jumped. Welcome to episode 84 of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you should still totally watch the anime. This week on Get Jumped, we're watching JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 3, Stardust Crusaders Part 2, Battle in Egypt, Episodes 56 through 59, where JoJo Sr. and Avdol are being lewd in public. Touching someone's shadow can turn you into a kid, and mirrors are perfect hiding places. Okay, so when you say mirrors are perfect hiding places, are you talking about, like, one-way mirrors? Are you talking about, like, when you walk into those, like, funhouse mirror things? And there's a whole bunch of, like, different ways that you can walk around inside of there. And then you walk up to one and you're like, this is definitely a hallway. And then you stop and you're like, no, I shouldn't reach forward and walk ahead. And then you're like, fuck it, I'm just going to go for it. And then you walk straight into a mirror. Yeah, and then you meet your devil. And then the entire world is decimated by devils and America. What? Let's jump in. So, fun fact, I used to not know the difference between a one-way mirror and a two-way mirror because (laughs) the two-way mirror, right, is the one where you can stand on one side, but the other, you know, the other side looks like a mirror, but you can see through it from one direction, but not the other. And the one-way mirror is one way because there's no two-way interaction with it at all. But I was like, a one-way, I mean, it is one-way, right? You're only one side can look through the mirror. So I I was like, which one is one-way mirror? And I think I finally nailed it down, but it confused me until very recently. <laughs> also, Great. I always, so like our new, I guess we haven't always done this, but uh, recently we changed the intro to where I list three ridiculous things from the week's episodes. But just the fucking name of this show on its own is plenty. <laughs> It's like so much name it's so before long. we even get into the episodes. It's usually um, a challenge to do the whole thing in one breath to get through like we're watching through to the end of the three things. But on JoJo's Weeks, it's impossible to get through the whole thing in one breath. Yeah. So uh, we're getting into the news of the week, and I'm assuming what has been absorbing Blake's news of the week is just... Uh, are, so are you going tonight to see Detective Pikachu or this weekend? I would be going, but we have no money. Like, oh, okay, we can't do anything. So, yes, I am going in spirit, but I am <laughs> not going. But yeah, this weekend is Detective Pikachu. I guess by the time you guys hear this, it will have been out a couple of days. And yeah. this is what's what day is it today? Friday. So technically, some of you may have seen it yesterday or even the day before. If you're in like a bigger, I know in Chicago. Like, the Thursday night premiere basically had a Wednesday night premiere. (laughs) Yeah. And when the, like, actual release date is Friday. So, uh, some of you might have seen it for, like, a while now. You've already forgotten major details of the story. But, yeah, this is exciting. It's It doesn't have, like, an insanely high Rotten Tomatoes score, but it's in the high 60s, which is really good for a comedy and for a video game movie is unheard of. It might as well be Citizen Kane as far as video game movies are concerned. Yeah. So this is also going to be the last episode that we're going to be recording before we're at Anime Central. Um, So if everybody is excited about Anime Central, then you are included in our everybody. 
because Blake and I are both super excited. Yeah. Um, we still don't uh, have our, our docket of who we are going to be interviewing yet. Uh, really? We have our requests out there. Yeah, um, we have our requests out there, but... Um, we have to I, submit I questions big- in advance and everything. <laughs> I think one of the big things about uh, really, really big um, anime uh, cons like this is that when you get larger names like the people we're trying to be able to talk to, there is a lot of requests and a lot of having to figure out very specific times for them. So I totally get it. Um, anime it's, it's a lot of moving so pieces. Far. Yeah. It's and, also I mean, just a fuck ton of people that are going to be at this convention, way it, more than the first convention we went yeah, to. Yeah, it's just a much bigger convention, um, mm-hmm. which I think, I, I hope that we can get some really good content out of it. I mean, I know that we'll, you know, try and hustle and get some stuff, and we've got our name in with some really awesome voice actors and stuff. But, like, mm-hmm. also, KumariCon was so fucking great. Like, if any of you were listening, it was just a blast. And we were so grateful to be able to go and that you hosted us as, oh, yeah. you know, part of the press. Can... And we had an opportunity to interview a lot of cool people. If you haven't listened to those interviews, it's worth it. And if you have, you yeah. might want to go back and listen to them again because it's been a little bit. And they're really great. Yeah. So hopefully we can get some more content for you guys like that this time but it's definitely even if the content isn't quite as much as last time as far as like getting six dope interviews like we did at KumoriCon, you know even one or two good ones would be great and just being able to go to a big anime convention like this and to be for the both of us who lived in chicago for quite a while it's nice to be able to go back to chicago because we'll actually visit our friends and not just be like in a random city so i'm really excited about the whole thing it's gonna be great yeah, the other thing that I wanted to mention before we uh, get into full-on Anime Central mode, which is going to be this week coming up, um, the first thing is going to be um, at Anime Central, one of our favorite things to do at any con that we're at um, is to do live interviews with people that are making something uh, about anime. Um, our favorite ones are going to be board games that mix anime together. So if you're one of those and you happen to be listening to the show, we want to talk to you. Yeah. Um, the other thing that we're going to try to do is do a quick sit down with a couple of people that do cosplay. Um, Cosplake was our hashtag from KamariCon. Um, this is where we take photos, uh, with people's permissions, um, uh, them doing cosplay and Blake not doing cosplay, but just with them. <laughs> Someday um, I'm going to do cosplay, so, but I, I just am not for thinking very well. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> this is words. mostly just because I, I own a camera and will bring a camera and I can't take the camera. I, I can't take the photos and also be in the photos. It's yeah. Not how cameras work. Um, so. unless you're doing selfies and then you're a monster. Um, <laughs> I, so what you're saying is I'm the face of the show and in some ways the mascot and in some ways the heart of the show also in in most ways in all ways I'm the heart of the show yeah a very small blackened heart <laughs> like the Grinch <laughs> and if it grew too many sizes you would have a heart attack <laughs> yeah uh, so yeah, we'll be doing all of that. If you are going to be there, we keep saying this. If you're going to be there, let us know. Try to find us. We're very excited. But if you are a cosplayer, we would love to take a picture with you. And like Spencer said, you always take with permission. Don't take surreptitious secret photos. 
ask yeah, people's we've said permission. This a lot of times. Yeah, it's really important because putting yourself in a costume, especially some anime costumes, can be pretty revealing. So just by wearing something revealing doesn't mean that they want you to take pictures of them without their permission. So make sure you always ask if you're going to this con yeah. or another one. Always a good rule of thumb to follow. Ask permission first. And if you don't get permission, don't take the picture. Uh, so we'll be doing that. Yeah, don't be yeah, a monster. If you are one of those people dressing up and you would like a picture with me by Spencer, we would love that. Please let us know. We'll try to coordinate something with you. And yeah, if you guys watched our video from KumoriCon, we got a great interview with somebody who made an RPG uh, like Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder based off of anime. And we also got a cool interview with an artist who had released a card game. I mean, we got some good stuff. So if you have something that yeah. you would like to promote that you think anime folk would enjoy, reach out to us. We will try and find you if you're there. But if you reach out to us first, it'll be a lot easier because we can coordinate a good place and time to meet up and talk about your stuff. Yeah. Um, the last thing that we are going to be doing while we are there is wearing our uh, cool shirts um, that we yeah. have finally uh, released our store and uh, some of our, our merch that is, has come out. Um, so if you want to go and find our merch, um, the easiest way to do it is to go to uh, getjump.blogspot.com. On the right-hand side, there's a button that says uh, get some merch or get some merch or whatever. I don't remember what it says. Um, it says something on the right-hand side. Some mer- uh, something, something merch. Yeah, something, something merch. Um, anyways, uh, <laughs> so uh, that has our two first pieces up. Uh, you can get them on a shirt, you can get them on an iPhone case, you can get them on a cup, you can get them on a bunch of different things. Um, one of The them... shirts, also, I think you can ch- I think you can put the designs, it looks like, I didn't poke around too much on the website today, but it looks like they default to a shirt, and you can get the shirt in all different kinds of colors. Yeah. But there's also, like, sweatshirts and tank tops and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So, um, our first one uh, that I put out is going to be Ninja Mount Rushmore, um, which is... Uh, if you don't know, one of the the first names of one of the episodes that we put out, um, which is... And a running joke. Yeah, it is. Not as much as Ninja President, but it's up there. Yeah. Um, and the other one that I put out was uh, a play on the the title credits sequence for Everybody Hates Chris. Um, just Everybody Hates 1010. Um, so that it's is great. going to be up as well. So if you want that, you can get it put on whatever you I want. I think... Everybody hates Ten Ten is really prime for like a patch or something, mm-hmm. and oh god, I think one of the animals is back and they're bouncing at the door. So sorry, everybody. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, it looks the Everybody Hates Ten Ten one is really funny. Uh, it's it's real good, and I think we're we're going to be rocking the Ninja Mount Rushmore, aren't we? Yeah, we're going to be wearing Ninja Mount Rushmore shirts at the con. Um, so get ready for that. Um, with all of that being said, so fucking ready, Spencer. Yeah. With that being (laughs) said, we're going to be getting into the episodes for Jojo's Bizarre Adventure this week. Um, we took a lot of time talking about, um, what we were going to be doing at this con. Um, and I think that that is mostly okay, given how... Uh, these episodes of JoJo's are. Um, we're, we we we're gonna a, watch four episodes that could have been two episodes. Yeah, we took a brief hiatus from hating JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. <laughs> Who knows whether or not that'll stand? Oh, that was an accident, but it works. Yeah. Anyways, um, so 
let's go ahead and jump yeah. on previously on JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is a long-running anthology series. We are in anthology part three, and in fact, part two of part three. The way in which it's an anthology is that the first part, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Phantom Blood, took place many decades previous to where we are now in the story, and the main character was a dis- uh, was a, an ancestor of the current main character. And uh, his name is Jotaro. That's our current main character. He is a high school-aged kid. He's one of the strong, silent-type anime protagonists. Uh, his grandfather, Jojo Sr., also known as Joe Star, was the protagonist for the second part of this anthology series, and he is now back in his much older form to be a protagonist here also. They are traveling around together with a friend they met on the way, a guy named Polnareff, and a friend that the older Jojo had already made in his life, a guy named Avdol. Each one of them is something called a stand user. So in this universe, a stand is basically like a magical familiar that you can summon with your willpower and you fight with those. So unlike Dragon Ball Z or Naruto, where you fight each other using your own bodies in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, you fight each other predominantly using your magical doppelgangers. Um... These stands are kind of new in the world, at least as far as our main characters know. They gained these powers in their lives, but stands have started really cropping up recently. And they attribute this to the recent reappearance of a villain from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 1. This is a guy named Dio. In Part 1, he was a normal guy who was just a total asshole and hated on JoJo for no reason. He then decided that he would turn himself into an immortal vampire and try to take over the world. That didn't work out, and it ended with him being decapitated and locked in a coffin with the body of the Jojo from Part 1 and dropped to the bottom of the ocean. But since he's immortal, his decapitated head was able to just attach itself to Jojo's body, and he waited for a while and was finally dug up out of the ocean so that he could be the antagonist for Part 3. He has gathered around him all kinds of stand users, and Jojo and his crew, the current Jojo and his crew, they have been making their way from Japan, where Jojo lives, to Egypt, where Dio is holed up somewhere. And Dio has basically sent a never-ending army of stand users after them to try and stop them. All of them have failed. Each episode or pair of episodes is usually a story about them meeting being beset upon by and then overcoming one of those stand users. On their way to Egypt, all the stand users had a theme based around a tarot deck. Now that they're in Egypt, there are nine stand users standing between them and Dio, and each one of them has an ability related to an Egyptian god. We met one or two of those last week, and the thing about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure for us on this show is that we hated it pretty much without exception up until last time we covered it when all of a sudden it was really really good and so this week with high hopes we are picking up at jojo's episode 56 yep this episode is called uh bassett's mariah it's part one and there's part two which is going to be episode 57 it's got the same name um so just be aware we're going to be running through this as if it is a single episode uh, with that being said, it could have been a single episode. Um, it was uh-huh. completely drawn out for almost no reason. Um, so we pick up with our team 
Um, uh, most of them are still together. You have Jojo Sr., Jojo, uh, Jotaro. Um, you also uh, have, God, uh, I believe... Avdol and Polnareff. Yeah, but Kakuin is, like, still hurt. He has, like, been yeah, Kakuin in the eyes. I didn't mention him in... <laughs> I didn't mention him in the intro because he's not really in these episodes, but the episode 56 does open with him. Mm -hmm. He was injured last time he got an eye injury in one of their battles. He was like stabbed in the eye or something, but like not very deep. I don't, I don't really remember. It's been forever. So, uh, Kaguin is recovering from his eye injury and his doctor is going to come in and promptly tell him that his eyes are fucked and then be like, just kidding. And I'm like, don't, if you're done, you can't do this. If you have an established joking relationship with a patient, maybe. Yeah. But like his eyes are bandaged and he literally could not see again if this was really bad. This is not the time as like this dude's first time doctor who's a stranger to him to be making jabs about how he's fucked. Yeah. So this episode is going to start out as well with Jodio Sr. Uh, going to take a dump in the middle of the desert. Um, uh, yeah. the, we find out about this because Paul Nareff sure also is. has to take a dump. Um, but he doesn't want to go take a dump where Jojo Sr. is taking a dump because it turns out where Jojo Sr. is taking a dump is just a hole in the ground. And also he has a dog watching him for some reason. Um, he's oh yeah, because they have a dog now. It's named Iggy. It's not really going to do anything in this episode except one fun joke. Yeah. So the, the also, there's a moment where like a piece of poop is going to get blown by the wind and it just turns into nothing but dust. And I was like, great, Immediately. great, this is a new thing for me to not like about deserts, other than it being hot and dry, but now I have to worry about poop wind. Um, yeah, everybody that's in a desert, all, the, all that dust, that's not, it's not just dust. It's poop wind, is what it is. Anyways. Um, <laughs> poop wind. So he doesn't decide to take a poop, instead he goes and walks out to this rock that's in the middle of there. And okay, so here's the thing about uh, oh about gosh. electrical sockets, you guys. Most human beings don't see an electric socket and then jam their finger into it. Most people don't do this. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure does not have most people in it. JoJo Sr. Mm-hmm. is part of those most people that sees an electric socket and is just like, I mean, I gotta fucking touch it. So he touches uh-huh. the electric socket, electrocutes himself... And then it turns out that this was the stand for this woman, Mariah, and uh, which we realize as the audience because it's revealed to us, but the heroes do not yet realize. Yeah, so he's going to walk away also, from it and feel a little bit weird, but he's just like, it's fine. I have to have a conversation with you that we have had on this show before, and in fact, named one of our JoJo's Bizarre Adventure episodes about. Yeah, which is these are the people who go around the world simultaneously aware that they could be attacked by an enemy at any moment and most likely will be because they're basically in the enemy's lair. And as their journey has gone on, they have continually been attacked almost relentlessly. Their attackers will use strange abilities. And at the same time as they are aware of this, anything out of place, they almost invariably attribute to coincidence and treat it with curiosity and a dropped guard, rather than what it is always, which is a stand that's trying to kill them. Yeah. Like, these people, they encounter something out of the ordinary in every 
fucking episode, it is always someone specifically trying to kill them. They are aware that there are more people specifically trying to kill them with mysterious powers, and they still fucking walk into it like nobody's told them any of this. Yeah. Somebody somebody should have baby-proofed the world for JoJo's Bizarre Adventures characters. These people should not be allowed out of the house. Yeah, they're those people that you're just like, oh, no, we gotta put helmets on them. Like... <laughs> If you're going to go yeah. outside, you're going to fall down. Uh, so They are children. They yeah. are children. Because they keep making fucking poop jokes. They objectify women to an extent only seen in teenage boys. And they cannot remember for eight seconds what happened to them yesterday. Yeah. Like... They- yeah, they these are the people that would completely fooled if you put your hands over your face. They would be like, where the uh, fuck did you go? He got my nose, you guys! <laughs> Anyways, um, that all being said, JoJo Sr. is going to wander back to the group. Uh, we slowly notice that JoJo Sr. is uh, appears to be magnetized. Uh, the first time that we find this out is by the um, the radio inside of this restaurant they're sitting at. It's slowly, like, it starts to go out of tune. Um, and it starts to like have static on it. Like, you know, when you're, you're next to like a strong magnet and you're on your cell phone and it makes like that weird beeping noise, um, and like weird static. Anyways, the next thing that is going to happen though, is they're walking along. He's got a, oh my God. Sorry. He's also got a prosthetic hand that is made out of metal, I believe. Yeah. And it starts acting up also, but that's not really going to come to anything. Yeah. But the thing that really is fucked up is that they walk past this guy who's just, he was just trying to build something out of wood, and he gets fucking mm-hmm. nails in the face because of this fucking magnetized asshole walking they around. they walked by. Yeah. And then they, like, and- the, the hammer, like, flies out of his hand and hits Jojo Sr., and they're like, oh, he should be more careful with his nails. And then it, like, cuts down to the guy, and he's like, fuck! And he's, like, got nails sticking out of his face. It's bad. I felt so bad for that guy. Yeah. Like, they were dicks to him. He didn't do anything. He was just, like, he wrong place, anything. wrong time. But, like, lots of yeah. people die in this show because they're in the wrong place at the wrong time. That's that's not exclusive to this guy that gets nailed in the face. That's uh, basically as common as something forebodingly strange that they completely ignore the foreboding part about. It's the same amount of times. Yeah. Uh, that being said, him getting nails in the face is probably, like, pretty mild for having the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure characters walk past you. Because most of the time, instead, you just get murdered by, like, a phantom sword or something. Um, I was definitely expecting the nails to go through, like, the back of his skull or something. Yeah, he made it with just, like, minor to major surgery. Um, Anyways. All right, well, you you talked me down. Yeah. Okay, so then the dumb things are going to start happening. They go to bed, they wake up. Jojo Sr. is more magnetized, and when he walks down the hallway, the, 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 like... He's, he's literally flipped directions in the night so that his head is facing north. So stupid. I just, I hate that moment <laughs> so much. Okay, so then, then he's, like, walking down the hallway in, like, the silverware that's in, like, uh, the, the, I, I guess it's, like, the culinary cart. Um, like flies out the and room service or some shit. Yeah, it like flies after him and it stabs into the wall and then some of it stabs into him. And he's like, "Oh shit! I must be magnetized. I better run downstairs." There's... And he like, <laughs> well, there's some fun jokes too with these women that he passes. And I usually don't like the jokes about women in this show because they are 
invariably sexist and at the expense of the women, but these ones were actually good. Yeah. And the first one is like these two women walking by and they, they have like some sort of metal buttons on their dress. And so his magnetism pulls the dress up and they think that he pulled her dress up to like look at her panties or something like that. So she slaps him and it's great. And then it happens with an older woman who thinks that he did the same thing and is like, let's get it on, <laughs> big boy. <laughs> and my favorite is when he He's starts... so thirsty. He, every time something like this happens, JoJo Sr., the only one who speaks English ever, is just like, oh, uh-huh. shit! <laughs> oh, my God! <laughs> Um, so yeah he's gonna go down the escalator yeah to try and escape the flying cutlery so when he's going down the escalator he notices that he's like magnetized to the bottom of the escalator and he's like oh god i'm gonna be fucking uh like pulled into the bottom of this escalator but maybe i can force myself off of it or hit the emergency button when i get to the end but it turns out the person in front of him actually happens to be uh mariah and mariah is going to wrap him in like some metal chains which are going to be pulled into the escalator and magnetized to him so it's going to start pulling him and choking him and there's one point where it like breaks his hand and he tries to use hermit purple to like hit the emergency button but it's not where it usually is so he's like gonna Uh flip that was a fun joke i liked that he's he's like so He's trying to hit the emergency but break uh, the emergency stop button at the end of the bottom of the escalator, and it's not there because it's just right next to where he's trying to hit it. Yeah, and I thought this was like a good. It was both a funny joke because it's like, oh, this doesn't have a an exit or an off button, but also because it's like it works as a joke and also as a part of tension in the scene. Mm-hmm. But also, same thing as earlier, Mariah, who's the stand user, just in case we didn't clarify that. She is standing in front of him and she like her these chains come out and hold him down to the escalator. And then he's like, Miss, um, your chains have been magnetized to me. And I'm like, dude, it is so obvious that she's doing this. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's just oblivious. Yeah. So anyway, the she's gonna get off the escalator he it looks like he's gonna get sucked in or his arm's gonna get ripped off or something and then avdol turns the escalator off and uh meanwhile during all of this jojo and polnareff are waiting outside for them to wake up so that they can go get breakfast together yeah they've been like man they're really taking a long time yeah they've been basically just waiting around doing nothing okay then the show is gonna go from like you know normal JoJo's Bizarre Adventure about an 8 in ridiculousness to a fucking 11. So what is going to happen next is that it turns out that uh, fucking, uh, God, Abdal has touched an electrical socket next to the fucking button to turn it off and also got magnetized. When they reveal this, he's like, he's like, oh, stay away from me, I'm magnetized. And he's just like, I'm also magnetized. I accidentally touched the electrical circuit. And he's just like, why did you do that? And I thought why in my head... Why did you do that? Why did you do that? Like, who does that? Like, it's Stop also... touching sockets! Yeah, also, like... Okay, if you see an electrical socket in the middle of the desert, maybe. Maybe if it's sticking on the side of a rock, you would be like, why is that there? But on the side of an escalator next to an emergency stop button makes fucking sense. So why are you just going to jam your hand into the electrical socket? That makes no fucking sense at all. 
whatever. They it's try madness. to chase after Mariah, so, and uh, they are going they, to start catching up with a, her. There's actually an extended sequence of bathroom antics for a little while, where they have to go into a women's restroom, because that's where they saw Mariah oh, go. I thought that happened and they're tr- uh, No. So it, they're trying to figure out who where she is because of their shoes... And then they guess wrong, and the women all are scandalized that they are in the women's bathroom, except the older woman from earlier, who is reignited by JoJo's presence. <laughs> and then they leave to chase after Moray, and that's when Abdal reveals that he is starting to become magnetized, too. And in fact, they are starting to become stuck on you. Mm-hmm. So they are going to be stuck on each other in more and more ridiculous ways. There is one point where they're like, having to push each other as hard as they can away from each other in opposite directions, which just happens to turn into a little bit of a gay joke. Um, and Yeah, it's it makes it look like Avdol's giving JoJo Sr. head, and then once they get disconnected, then they're re-magnetized to each other such that it looks like Avdol is fucking JoJo Sr. Yeah. And I, I actually thought these jokes were fine. Sure. They were gratuitous, but they weren't... Oh, like they didn't overstay their welcome, I guess. I don't know. I was like, you know, it's nice to be represented. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then um, uh, I don't know. The next thing that happens is is pretty dumb. They get magnetized to a railroad track, um, and then they have to like get under the railroad track. Oh, uh, a fun thing though is that that woman shows up again, and she is now no longer into JoJo Senior. Because she thinks that Jojo is gay with Avdol, and she's mad that she felt like he was leading her on. Yeah. That's, so that's a nice... There was, that's kind of a brick joke. Yeah. There's also a point where it turns out that Mariah is just carrying a shit ton of uh, metal uh, like nut, like bolts inside of her bra so that she can shoot them at people <sighs> who have mag... Or that magnetized. part sucked. It's so... St- she also has knives later on. Yeah. Metal knives. And I'm like... These powers are inconsistent, which is absolutely on par for this show. But, like, she's carrying metal objects around on her person, some of which are blades, very sharp. Like, if she turns the wrong way while the magnetism is too high, she could be pierced by her own weaponry. Yeah. But also, why doesn't she just throw the fucking knives at them and end it already? I know, I know. Like, come on. Look, she's gonna end up getting crushed, and this episode is gonna end up being over. Um, Yeah, it's they do some sort of pincer move where they go to either side of her. And then at some point, and I don't think you or I either really know how this happens, because it happens like very quickly, and the logic of the show is already pretty tenuous, but in this moment, it just... I don't get it. Is there stuff that's magnetized to them suddenly being magnetized to the other one, and she's in the middle? Like, somehow her standing directly between them causes all of the magnetized stuff to them to rush to her. I don't get it. Yeah. I... But that's how they win. Yeah, there's a lot of like hand waviness inside of this uh, these two episodes yeah. that is they, does you know not what? work. There hasn't right. been a lot of hand waviness in part three at all, and that was something that really plagued part two mm-hmm. was just like characters pulling the answer to the question out of their ass. Yeah, and it, it's not happened very much in this part, so like I guess that's good. But yeah, this is absolutely just like. This, this is the manga artist being like, well, I'm at the end of the chapter and I need this fight to be over, so fuck it. Yeah. So that's the end of the, those episodes. We're going to get into 58 and 59 
These episodes are arguably much better than the last two episodes, um, but still yeah, not as good as the ones that were before it. And I think it's mostly because this guy's powers are really cool and uh, in a in a really different way. Um, it also uh, we have a really interesting um, uh, thing that's going to happen to Paul Nareff near the end, but I'll talk about it that in a little bit. This is going to be uh, yeah. Sets Alessi. Um, or Alisi, I can't remember how it's can pronounced, but, um, yeah. And of course they say it in Japanese. So we're not, we're not totally sure how they pronounce it or if that pronunciation is correct for English. Yeah. So, um, uh, I didn't even realize this has happened, but apparently it turns out that Iggy didn't really want, uh, to help Joestar and, uh, Avdol. Yeah. This was maybe my favorite part of all of the episodes that we watched today because Iggy, so Iggy's the dog and he was established as a character one or two of our episodes ago. And he's an asshole and that's his thing. He's like this dog. He's really selfish. He is an asshole, but he also happens to be a super powerful stand user. And most of the time he doesn't help out. And I don't really know why he's there, but um, every once in a while he accidentally helps out in a, fit of forced self-preservation. This is not one of those times. He is going to go off on his own while Jotaro and Polnareff are waiting for Joestar and Avdol to come down out of the hotel and have breakfast already. Iggy is going to go out into the city and steal someone's sandwich. And then by the time he gets to the place where he wants to eat it, he's going to have progressed to the point in the story that we just covered, wherein Joestar and Avdol are standing on either side of Mariah and are about to do whatever the fuck it was that made them demagnetize and her be the magnet. And basically, they are struggling. It looks like they're going to lose and be killed, and she is standing there gloating. And Iggy sees this and watches for a second and then just wanders off. (laughs) So he just decides not to help at all when he absolutely could have. Yeah. So, um, what is going to happen inside of this episode is that Polnareff is going to get separated from the rest of the crew. Um, he is going to catch up with a, uh, a new stand user that we've never seen before. This stand user is going to fight with a stand named Set. Um, this this stand is really cool. So, what it is is this gigantic shadow with these two weird bulbous eyes. And what it does is if it touches your shadow, it will start to de-age you as fast as it can as long as you are standing on top of it this happens to polnareff and he gets de-aged into a baby um he uh then he well he's de-aged to like seven or eight years old yeah he very very young initially Mm. yeah and so and the reason he wasn't de-aged further we will learn later in the episode is because he jumped when the shadow hit his shadow and so his, their shadows were touching for only a moment and it de-aged him that much but if he had stayed in the shadow he would have been de-aged all the way down to a baby or even a fetus yeah. and so as a kid he has now lost some of the knowledge that he has as an adult like specifically he runs into Jotaro and he doesn't remember his name but he remembers him he just can't remember his name. So he it's sort of like it's sort of like the key information that he needs. Yeah. You know, now that I say it, it's really the plot relevant information that he needs. That's true. But it works really well, so I'm going to give it a pass. Yeah. 
Because, you know, the rules for writing always apply Mm -hmm. unless it would be better if you broke them. And this is one of those instances where, like, yeah, he's doing something for the sake of convenience, but it works really well, so it's okay. Yeah. So he can't remember Jotaro's name, so he can't get his attention or reveal that he is Polnareff. And Jotaro thinks that he's just a kid. Also, we're going to learn that he still has the ability to use his stand, but that his stand has also regressed in age. Because he's a kid, so he doesn't have a strong of willpower anymore, and that's how stands are formed. Mm -hmm. So his stand is much weaker. Yeah. So he is going to be attacked by Elysian Set, um, and what is going to happen is he's going to get uh, the sword knocked out of uh, Silver Chariot's hands, or like broken, I can't really tell, Um, but it stabs into the side of uh, Lessie's neck. He's going to run away and end up getting scooped up by a random woman in the street who is just like, hey, oh, you look like you're in trouble. Let me go and take you inside. And you look dirty, so let me give you a bath. And then there's going to be a very awkward scene uh, between little I boy Polnareff and also this woman. Um, I, I had really mixed feelings, actually, because I thought that the I thought that what they were doing with the story which was that there is a woman who is taking care of a stranger was really nice. And Paul Nareff was sincerely grateful. But also, he, in the same way that he doesn't know Jotaro's name, but he knows that he should, he does not have a sexual response because he's too young, but he knows that he should. And so it's basically this extended sequence of fan service with this woman and him like perving out about it, but in a jokey way where he like doesn't know what to do and he's kind of innocent of it, but also kind of being a pervert. And I fucking hated it. It's just God, women are more than sex objects. Like this is just infuriating and it keeps happening in this show. Yeah. It's a kind of a bummer. I'm about to say the same thing about a different aspect of this show in a second. Yeah. So then it is going to turn out that uh, she gets turned into a fetus uh, by staying on the shadow for too long of Alessi set. Um, then he is going to try to get into a fight with this uh, axe-wielding murderer, um, and he is going to get stabbed in the arm. Um, then he's going to run into this room while carrying the, the fetus-sized version no, no. of this woman. I gotta get back on my soapbox here. Okay. Because before that, Alessi tries to drown him. And it's this extended sequence where they're kind of going back and forth. He tries to drown him, and Polnareff's not strong enough to pull himself back out of the water or fight back. So he pulls the the, um, drain... Uh, stopper out so that the water will drain and he won't drown. And then the guy like moves his head so that his head is stopping the the water from draining very quickly. So it, he's not going to have enough time before he like dies. So the way he gets out of this is by pooping. This is the second time in four episodes, two storylines in which poop has been prominently featured in a way that's supposed to be comedic where it pretty much otherwise doesn't fit any story purpose. And I I know this one does technically fit a story purpose, but God damn it. Stop it with the poop jokes. I'm fucking sick of it. Yeah. Anyways, um, it does remind me uh, of that joke from um, Donald Glover though, where he's talking about like uh, somebody who can just shit on command. And he was like, that's like a superhero. Like I, well, the, the, 
the the thing about poop jokes is that they are not inherently bad. They're just you have to be smart about them. Like if you're going to use really lowbrow crass humor, the thing about it is that it's easy and it's low effort. So you can make those jokes, but they're not going to be good unless you do them at the exact right time in the exact right way or in a clever usage of it. Yeah. The show doesn't do that. It just puts poop on the screen and then makes it they're like, it's funny because it's poop. And it's like, no, that is what children think. Mm. It's not that it can be funny because it's poop. If you're smart about it and the show is not, and it overuses it and it's frustrating. Yeah. An example of a punchline from Donald Glover that makes it really funny is what he says in response to that was, uh, me and my butt are always kind of like on the third date where like my butt, my, I'm like, come on, let's do it. And my butt's like, I'm not ready yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, he is a national treasure. Yeah. Anyways, uh, that is going to happen. Then there's going to be an extended hide-and-go-seek with the giant axe scene um, where uh, Paul Nareff is going to hide while carrying the fetus of this woman uh, or this fetus-sized woman. He is also going to defy all logic in order to successfully hide. Yeah, he's going to put his head in a ball and, I, I don't know, hide behind... I don't know how he hides inside of this, like, fucking thing i so, i watched it twice and i still don't know where he was hiding uh so i understand how he is hiding but once you understand how he is hiding and you know how it would work for real it wouldn't work at all even for a moment that's what i'm saying so <laughs> here's the thing there's this room there's a couple of places where he could be hiding He's not hiding in any of them because he's hiding in a completely unexpected place that he fabricated, which is he is in the fish tank. And in that fish tank, he has grabbed he's grabbed a ball so that he could cut holes in it so he could breathe and keep his head above water while looking just like a ball had fallen in the water. And he is also holding up a square mirror that is big enough to cover his entire body. So the thing is... When the antagonist, Alessi, looks around the room and is looking for him, when he looks into the fish tank, it looks just like a normal fish tank. Yep. If you would, is empty. If you would look at a mirror. Fish. If you look at a mirror, you see yourself in the mirror. Yes. That's how mirrors they work. Even, they even show a close-up of a fish swimming around the mirror. There is one fish with no reflection, and then it swims behind the mirror and seems to vanish because it is now on the other side of the mirror. There is no reflection. It's not a mirror. Yeah, it just like, doesn't it make any sense. It has to be sense. a mirror for this to work Ugh. because the reason that it works is that it looks like the fish tank. And the reason that is is because the mirror is reflecting the fish tank, except that it's not reflecting the fish. It's not reflecting the room on the other side of the fish tank, which you would easily see because part of the back wall of the fish reflecting the other back wall. And if you were standing in the way of it, it would also reflect you. This would not work even for a fucking moment. It doesn't doesn't even make pretend anime sense. Like it it makes no sense. You cannot (laughs) justify this. Yeah. Anyways, uh, hand waving aside, um, he is going to jump out of the window instead of getting swung and killed with an axe. 
he lands on the ground in front of Jotaro. Jotaro is going has to see this crazy act wielding ass. Not Polnareff. Alessi what? has landed on the ground. Polnareff is still upstairs. Wait, what? I thought it was the other way around. I thought he. When did he go out the window? I thought. I thought Polnareff stayed upstairs and then Alessi like fell down or something. Maybe I'm wrong. No, he leaves the fetus-sized yeah, woman upstairs. Who, I don't know where she, she was this whole time because later. he took her into that room and then he hid in an aquarium. He was underwater. I don't know where he was holding her. Anyway, yeah. whatever. So, I watched it yesterday. Anyways, I can't be expected so, to remember what happened. I am a jo- JoJo's character and I don't know what happened previously. <laughs> so... Um, he's going to jump down. Uh, Jotaro is going to get into a fight with Alessi and Set. Um, he is going to get caught for a briefest second under Set's spell, be de-aged, and he's like, Haha, I learned that you only learned to use your stand a couple... A couple of years ago, so you're probably not going to be able to use your stand. And it turns out that Jotaro has been able to fight his whole life since he was like five. So he just beats the ever living Christ yeah. out of Alessi. Um, and he knocks him out uh, enough that, that he, is going to be basically. Yeah, he becomes unconscious, so the power of his stand is released. So now they're adults and they definitely kill him. It doesn't show that, but it does show them summoning their stands and their stand. So Joseph's, Jojo's stand is. Star Platinum, who punches very fast and very strong. And Polnareff's stand a Silver Chariot, who hits you with a fucking sword. And it shows them attacking him, like, yeah. a hundred times in a row. Like, this dude's dead. And, yeah, that's basically it. But it, were you wanting to talk about this moment that they have after the fight? No. It's not, not good. Really. It's supposed to be, but it's not. <laughs> so uh, anyway, the, there's basically what amounts to a post credit scene, which is that Joestar and, and Avdol meet back up with Jotaro and Polnareff. They go to get breakfast finally, but now it's lunch because it took them all so long. And then he's going to do that thing that he does where he has to break a camera in order to get a picture of the future or whatever. And he's able to get a picture that reveals to them a building that they should find where presumably Dio is hiding. And that is the end of this episode and leads us into a cliffhanger for the next time we come back to Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. And I just have to say, last time we talked about Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, I was so pleasantly and surprised, surprisingly delighted to enjoy the episodes. I thought that they were pretty much completely good. They were really fun. They were really funny. There was good action and smart writing and i was like oh we turned a corner and then this is just more of the same fucking bullshit like i know one of our listeners on the last jojo's episode was like i'm glad you like the show now but i'm gonna miss you shitting all over it so i guess this is a gift to you because fuck these episodes were so (laughs) bad welcome to a hard they were worse because we knew what we could have had yeah yeah anyways stick with us we're gonna be talking about what's coming up next after the credits blake and spencer get jumped is made by forever summer productions with sound editing done by rashad english of plain english productions he's our level six sound wizard level up our podcast is ad free and we want to keep it that way if you want to keep it that way too please consider supporting us on patreon follow us on twitter at b and s get jumped 
Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash get jumped. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New episodes come out every Sunday on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Buzzsprout, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And hey, thanks for listening. Next week on Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, we're watching Hunter x Hunter, episodes 79 through 83. We are going to play the most dangerous game of rock, paper, scissors yet. You know, when you play it with an ant. You know, when Um, you play it with an ant. uh...